If you are a visitor today, we've been going through the book of Romans since January, and we've stopped on Romans chapter 8. Uh, we've been in it for about five weeks. We have one more week after this, and we are done with Romans chapter 8. Woo, someone is excited about that. I'm glad it's only one person. Uh, but it's been a very rich text, uh, a very challenging text as well. And I want you to listen to the passage we'll be reading from today, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 30. And many of you are probably familiar with this verse. You have a coffee mug of this verse. You have a poster, a tattoo, a sticker, something of this verse, or it's been given to you. Listen to this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Have you ever heard that verse? Just raise your hand. Yeah, look, a lot of us have heard that verse. Anybody have that tattoo on them? Don't be shy. We're a church for all people. All right. Well, this verse is often taken out of context. If you have that tattoo, you're like, oh, no. But I want you to listen to what he says in verse 29 and 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Anybody have that tattooed on you? Probably not. A bit of a more challenging passage. And I want to remind us what we talked about last week, okay? Last week, we talked about when we are going through a struggle in life, when we are going through suffering, when we are going through trials, that we get in a position in our Christian walk that sometimes we don't know what to pray. You ever been there? You seem like you're praying the same thing, it's not working, or you seem like the pain is too deep that you don't have the vocabulary to utter exactly what you are feeling. And, and I, I went ahead and told us, hey, don't worry, because here's something that we do know that we don't know, right? One thing we do know that Paul is speaking of is that we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to say. We don't know. Now, I love what Paul says at the very following verse. Here's good news. There's something we do know. We don't know how to pray in the midst of suffering, but here's what we do know in the midst of suffering. Here's what you can hold on to. Here is a foundational promise that we do know in the midst of suffering. So here's what he says. What do we know? You know, the first thing that we see is we know that God works all things for good, right? The very first thing we see, what do we know in the midst of pain and suffering? We know that God works all things together for good. Now, here's what you're thinking, right? And, and I've, this has been like for a pastor, I, I cringe, I cringe when I'm visiting somebody in the hospital and someone's just diagnosed with cancer and maybe one of their friends come in and they just say, hey, God works all things for good. And I'm just like, as a pastor, can I karate chop this person right in the throat to keep them quiet for a little bit? Because in the middle, let's be honest, in the middle of this, of this 
horrible news or in the middle of a divorce or in the middle of losing somebody you love or in the middle of recognizing I have depression or I have an addiction or I have anxiety and it's never ever going to leave. I just got to deal with it. Or there's a divorce that just plagues me that I feel like I'm a failure for. Or I wasn't a great parent and my kids went wayward. Or there's just this sin in my life that I'm so embarrassed by. Did I cover everybody? In the middle of that, sometimes we're like in the thick of it. That doesn't seem really promising. How is God going to work out this evil for good? What does that mean? When people quote that, if they are not careful, what they are giving us is, is another version of the really false prosperity gospel. That don't worry Everything's going to be okay in this pain today here on earth. You're going to see God work it all out. How many of you know, like, I'm still waiting for that to happen because the person I prayed for who had cancer actually passed away. Can somebody tell me how that's supposed to work for good? What do you do? What do you do? See, this, this, this passage is taken out of context a lot. Let me give you a, the best picture I can give you. It's not of myself, by the way. It's... I just saw myself. Now, this is not the best picture you want to give them. I want you to think about this. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. God created man and woman in what? His image and his likeness. This has characteristics of God, bless you, placed in us. Right? And we must assume that there's probably some kind of um, uh, godly aspects that are placed in us. So here's what he did. When he created man and, and woman in his image, when he looked at them, what did he see? So, they're like, God ain't that attractive. And some of you are like, God looks good. <laughs> so just get that picture. So when God created you, you, and when God created in Genesis 1, humanity at original creation, reflected God in all perfection. Think about that. Humanity in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, reflected God's perfect creation. When you saw them, you saw God. There were no flaws until Genesis 3. Sin entered and sin marred everything. Now you're thinking... What is marred? What does that mean? So if this mirror is a reflection of the image of God, and when God saw you, he saw himself. When sin entered and has really transgressed into all of us, inherited sin, and sin has affected us, let's just be transparent, cancer has affected us, being molested has affected some of us, being through a divorce has affected us, being uh, facing a death, all kinds of stuff. Sin and perfection has entered and affected us. Now, here's what happened. This, for my wife, is a dangerous sight. Me holding a hammer. This usually ends up in the ER somehow. But here's the reality. So, you have Genesis 3. Let's start there. Marred the image of God. You have now, you were born into maybe a family that was a bit dysfunctional. Something happened to you, molestation, sin, your own personal choices that has left you feeling guilty. 
a little more now of that being shattered. And, and now you then are living this life and you've, you've dreamed of something. You've desired something out of your life. And then you, you go through, through death. And then you go through cancer. And you go through anxiety. And you go through depression. And you go through, and the list goes on and on and on and on. What happens now? Well, now the image of God has been what? Shattered. Completely shattered. Like This is what happens when sin enters. When God sees humanity without Jesus, it is a sinful, broken place. Why? Because of sin. And the truth is, some of you feel, you feel just like this, shattered. And your life has been through a whirlwind. And here people are saying, hey, don't you worry. God will use it for good, for the glory of God, for those who love him. <laughs> Have you been to North Phoenix Baptist Church? We got some great coffee there. Like, like I don't want to hear that. Pick up your free Bible on the way out. that will change your life. And it will, and it does. But is that really going to make sense in the midst of our pain and suffering? Does this really make any sense? And some of you are working like with these shattered pieces, and you're saying, hey, tell me how all of this makes any sense. Tell me how, how God uses molestation, and it's supposed to be good. Tell me how he uses cancer, and it's supposed, supposed to be good. Tell me how he uses a divorce. Tell me how he uses my mother dying at an early age. Tell me how he uses this stuff, being abused after relationship after relationship. How does God use this for good? And see, Paul is laying down a very rich foundation for the Christians here. Don't get it twisted. He is not saying this is good. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying this is horrible. This is bad. But here's what we do know, that if you love God, meaning if there is a relationship between you and God through Christ, you can hold on to this promise. You can hold on tightly to this promise. Now, do not think that this promise means here on earth, you are going to kind of like karma. I'm going to get what I deserve. We don't serve a God of karma, by the way. We serve a God of grace who thankfully doesn't give you what you deserve. So this is not what he's saying here. He is saying, take hold of this truth. That all of the horrible stuff, when you are a Christian, if you love God, you are surrendered God. I'm not talking about using God as um, a side girlfriend or boyfriend to go to whenever you're in need emotionally or you need something and you're, uh, you're dating the world and God's kind of a side thing. No, 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 no. This is talking about forsaking the world and the things of it and you are holding tightly to Jesus and Scripture and to God. This is what he's talking about. If you love God, this unconditional love for God, Here's what happens. He then will work all things. What are all things? All things in this passage can mean several things. One, all of the sin we face, all of our poor decisions. Anybody ever made a poor decision in here? Both of us, bro, just me and you. We'll talk afterwards. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. All, aren't you glad he didn't say, hey, God will use 99% of the things. And that one thing you really messed up on, good luck. I don't know what to tell you. Aren't you glad his scripture didn't say that? In the Greek, all things, you know what it means? All things. Everything. From start of your life to the finish of your life. God says, I'm going to use it all. For what? For good. For who's good? For your good. Does that mean I get A, B, C, D? I ain't promising that. Here's what I am promising. So what is good? For some of you in here, you've been like, good means uh, by the time this service is over, I'm like Casey and Patience, and I meet someone and I get engaged next week. That sounds real good to me. Right? So some of you mean, you're thinking good means we get a different doctor report later on this week. Good means, so if we're not careful, we can take this out of context and apply it to what we want it to mean. So God, good could be relative depending on who you're asking. Well, what does good mean? It's going to be okay. Get your coffee. It'll be great. Have you joined a small group, by the way, a Bible study? It'll be fantastic. No, no, no. What does good mean? Here's what he's referring to as good, okay? He, is, he then goes on to say, for those whom he foreknew, and we'll talk about all these words in just a minute, um, here's what he's saying good is. The first good we see, we will be conformed to the image of his son. He's going to speak of three goods in this passage, and it's probably not what you want it to be, but I promise you the thing that you want to see as good here on earth doesn't compare to the good he is talking about here in this passage. The first thing, to be conformed to the image of his son. So God is taking all things, and his greatest uh, concern and probably greatest desire for you is not to get the job you want or not, not to get the spouse you want. That's not God's greatest concern for you. His greatest desire for you which is good, is to be conformed back to the image of his son. Why? Because that image has been completely shattered. So he is saying, if I can get this right, everything else will be back in order. But if this isn't right, there's just a bunch of dysfunction in your life. So you can say, but give me the spouse, but give me this, but give me this. But here's the truth. He's saying, if this ain't right, none of that will feed what you're looking for. Get this right first. So, what is good? Oh, oh, I want you to be conformed to the image of my son. I I want you to be rock solid. I I want you to find everything you need in him. And then this is great. What else is good? This is good. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What does that mean? Jesus, who is the firstborn? Jesus is the firstborn amongst many brothers. Who are the many brothers? Us, children of God. So the second good thing he is talking about is not only being conformed to the image of his son, but the second good thing is saying, hey, can you imagine you in heaven, completely intimate with Jesus? You're, you're, you're one of the brothers You get to have this intimate relationship with God and Jesus in heaven. Can you even comprehend that? So everything you are going through, all this working out together for good, is meant to accomplish this here. Now, and he goes on. 
It gets much better. And those whom he predestined, he also called. By the way, before I forget this part, uh, being conformed to the image of God is spiritually, morally, and physically. All right? That, that's what he's talking about here. How do we know that's what he is talking about? Oh, we saw that two weeks ago. But the third thing he says is good is that we will be glorified one day. And this is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that our bodies will be redeemed, glorified bodies. Remember? I said I would have long hair with locks on it. Remember that? I don't know if that's very glorious to some people. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is so glorious that we can't even comprehend it, to be honest with you. We know it's a physical redeeming of a glorious body. So what is working together for the good? Not that you're no longer single, although I'm sure he, God cares about that to some degree. But in this passage and in this text, what is good? This is good, number one. Number two, this is good. This is good. So he is working all things. Now, some would say um, all your pain, everything you've been through, which I, I, I think that is partly true. But I also think there's another portion of the scripture that he's talking about. Now, you go on and he looks at for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew. Okay, if you do a word study on this word foreknew, uh, this is, there's big theological debates on it. Uh, knock yourself out if you want to go home and do that. I really don't care too much. Um, doctrine and theology is incredibly important because it functions our perspective in life. Um, however, um, I, I really do believe our doctrine and theology should force us, a revelation of God should force us to fall more in love with God, not more in love with what we know and how much we know ourselves. This here. Um, he is saying for those whom he foreknew. Scholars will say one of two things is happening here when he talks about for God foreknowing, God's foreknowledge, God foreordaining. One of two things. That number one, God, um, God knows um, who is going to respond to the call. So you know at the end of my sermons how I give an invitation for you to come forward and receive Jesus Christ. Uh, what, what this is saying is you have free will to do so, um, and God knows who is going to do so. That's one version of this. All right. Now, I know you're wondering, which one do you think, Pastor? Doesn't matter. Scholars think one of two things. One, God foreknew way ahead of time before you were born. He already knows when you were going to make a decision. He already knows whether or not you were going to make a decision for him. The second is this, uh, that God, and scholars say that word means chosen, that God chose, that he chose those that would respond. So he would come to my wife and say, Clancy, you have no choice. You are going to be a Christian. I am choosing you. And by the way, there is a very handsome Latin young buck who you're going to marry, who you have no choice. You're going to fall in love with him. And you guys get the picture? Girl, get me all hot and sweaty up in here. Don't write me an email. It's my wife. I can say what I want to say about my wife. It's okay to be in love. God made it that way. Why only the ladies get excited about that? The dudes are like, the dudes are like, yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, in, in love, if you say so. I'm just sitting there eating rocks. Um, 
Y'all messed me up because y'all playing around. So, <laughs> so he foreknew. So he knew whether you're given. This is Arminianism, for those of you who like these words, and, and Calvinism. Arminianism, you have the ability to respond or reject. Calvinism, you do not have the ability to respond or reject. Wherever you want to sit, I really don't care. Go wrestle by yourself with it. Um, what I do love right now where I'm at, I, I don't know, I can't tell you if I chose God or he chose me, but I can tell you this, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. That's what I can say to that. So he foreknew this. He foreknew it would take place, okay? He also predestined. Another very fun word that can get very, very messy. Uh, some would also say it's predetermined, okay? So what you see is this un. Folding. So those he knew will become his children, he predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. Is that making sense? Barely. That's okay. It, it, it's, it's not an easy text, by the way. But So if you read this, those he foreknew, whether you responded or you had no choice and he forced you to respond, he knew you would be a Christian. So those he knew would be a Christian, he would take everything and work it for your good, he predestined it that way. Which, if this is true, which I believe it is, this means that all of the stuff that you have gone through, the cancer, the death, the poor decisions, I'm not putting that on God, that God calls it to you, but I will say this, there is extreme security and comfort knowing that before you fell, he already sent his son for you. Knowing that, thank you for that, knowing that, Tomorrow, he will still love you when you fall. And before you fell into the deepest of sin or before you experienced the, the greatest of pains, he knew you would experience it. So he predestined for everything you were going to experience to work together for the good. He saw it coming, and he didn't stop it. That's what blows my mind. Why not, God? Well, he's going to work it all for, for good. Yeah, but why do we have to go to the pain? Well, it's, it's all according to his purpose. But I don't like his purpose. But, but you ain't the author of this book. Can, can we get, can, like, I have a feeling when we're in heaven, all this stuff that we really can't let go of, of why this and why that and why we lost a child and we should have five children right now. We only have, like, all this stuff that we ask. I have a feeling when I get to heaven, I don't think I'm going to care, and I think it's all going to make sense. I just have a feeling that's going to take place. Now, i got to hurry. It's a lot of stuff. Then he goes on. Talks about being predestined, talks about called. This called is not a general call that I give to receive Christ. This call is an effectual call, meaning um, not just if God calls you, but you actually have to answer the door when he calls. This is the way he's speaking to you. Those that have responded in faith, he has justified because it is faith that justifies us. And so um, now that he foreknew everything we would go through, he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, um, and that he, those that he called, he justified. So there has to be somewhere in here. If, we're, if he justified us, he knew whether he chose us or not, he knew it was going to take place. Uh, and then the ultimate goal, here's the finished product, is that we will be glorified. It's a whole lot of stuff, and I get it. So what does this mean? Does this mean that there's no longer any purpose? If I'm saying here that 
What is good here has just destroyed your thought that God was gonna use your pain on this earth. And now you feel like it's a waste. And I just told you that what's good is this stuff, what's really our eternal things. I don't think that's only true. That's what this text is talking about. But for, I don't want you to leave here and be insecure that so you're telling me that I lost my father or mother for nothing. You're telling me just a waste, there is no answer. Here's what I believe God does. When you receive Jesus Christ, hear that very clear. When you receive Jesus Christ, God has a way that only he can do. He takes all these broken pieces, and I believe he does this on earth because he's, he's done it with my life. And you can come to me after serve and say, he doesn't do that. And I would tell you, he's done it with me, and he is doing it with me here on earth. Here's what I believe he does. He takes these shattered pieces when I've received Christ, and he, he's, taken my, he's taken my depression as a pastor. He's taken my anxiety. He's taken the, the pain of not having a father and, and 36 year old, and I'm still bothered by that. He's taken all of my scars and my sins and my pains, and I love Jesus, and I'm pursuing God, and I'm not perfect, but I believe here on earth what he's done, he's taking the shattered pieces of me, and he's, he's, he's beginning to create something out of it, and you can tell the image is, is restored, but because I'm still on earth, it, it's not perfect. I still carry imperfections in my life, but you can kind of tell Noe is different. I still see the scars. You can hear it in his voice. He talks about it a lot. This guy is pained by his past, but what this represents is through Jesus, God creating something through my pain, but you see the imperfections because I'm still here on earth. Therefore, I still carry imperfections, but God is using imperfect people to create a beautiful picture even here on earth. So your pain here on earth, I firmly believe, is not a waste. Through Jesus, he can make something beautiful in it by himself, through himself, so that when people see you, yes, they see the scars, yes, they see the pain, yes, you see the scars, yes, you see the pain, yes, you still feel it. It doesn't just go away. You still are, are haunted by your sin. You still are haunted by your struggles. You still are haunted by your divorce. You still are grieved by the death. You still are, it doesn't change, but now when they see you, they see the scars, but they see a reflection of God because of Jesus. But it's much better. What he is saying is when I work all things for good through my son Jesus, one day you'll be in heaven. And what I will see again one day is what was taken away from me in Genesis 1. You will look just like me. Perfect. No blemish. No blemish. No crack. No stain. No blemish. Let's pray together.